This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And if you're on social media, you've probably come across posts or videos by people describing how they've had um, oddly specific habits their entire life or things like being um, easily distracted from their work or being easily frustrated by the smallest things um, and how all of these often point towards them having ADHD or Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. In fact, many of us seem to resonate with these posts Um, online which highlight how many adults have undiagnosed ADHD. But at the end of the day, is this information helpful, especially if you don't have a definite diagnosis? And is self-diagnosing ADHD based on TikTok videos, for example, helpful or harmful in the long run? So here to dive into um, today's topic with me is clinical psychologist Prakash Ravindran. Thank you so much for joining me today, Prakash. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Now, let's start by, I guess, clarifying, right? What is ADHD? And I understand that there are different types of ADHD as well, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, Well, fundamentally, ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder that kind of impacts the prefrontal cortex of the brain. So this part of the brain is responsible for things like uh, your executive functions, uh, your emotional regulation, your impulse control, among other things. Um, and of course, when you when you talk about ADHD, the, the thing that stands out is the word hyperactivity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is one of the, the types of, of ADHD where there's predominantly uh, hyperactive or impulsive behaviors. Um, and the other type is um, predominantly what we call a predominantly inattentive type. So those are the individuals who maybe have more trouble being focused, they dream, um, and then, of course, you have a combined presentation, the way we term it. That means you both you have both hyperactivity, impulsivity, as well as inattention. Hmm. Now, you mentioned sort of the, the, the how we often think of people having ADHD as being hyperactive or, or being easily distracted, especially, you know, people picture a hyperactive, easily distracted child as an example of that. But is that an accurate picture of ADHD, you know, what are, and, and what are the common signs or symptoms of people who have ADHD? Um, well, of course, you know, uh, ADHD, we, we mentioned just now, is a neurodevelopmental disorder. So it starts young, mm-hmm. right? So you should be able to notice some of these symptoms even before the age of six, right? So it's something that you see much younger. And of course, the, the, the symptoms will, will evolve in its presentation as you get older. Um, of course, a child's symptoms will be very different from an adult's symptoms. Um, but some of the, 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 main, the main symptoms that you might see, you know, having a short attention span, uh, making careless mistakes, being forgetful, losing things, um, having difficulty with time management or organizing themselves, um, that's a little bit more towards the inattentive side. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the, the hyperactivity or the impulsive side is the, the, the areas where you might be always fidgeting, you know, you can't sit still, you need to move around. Uh, people who are excessive talking, so they, they kind of blurt out and they, they, they jump into conversations without waiting for their turns. Um, so I would say these are kind of, kind of the, the typical symptoms that we might talk about or see. Hmm. So, you know, but as, as you are listing these symptoms down, Prakash, you know, some of these are behaviours that I guess everyone would have experienced at some point or another, right? So how do you, and, and I guess that, that might be why sometimes when we see these posts, people, people resonate a bit with them. But how does, how does someone know if that's just 
fairly typical, fairly normal, or it's yeah. um, a sign of having ADHD? Yeah, right. So I think how, how I would describe that is, you know, just looking at the way we typically would maybe diagnose or assess uh, for, for ADHD. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the things that we, we look out for is um, significant impairment in different aspects or different facets of life. Um, so, you know, we, we need to see this, that it comes out in challenges in, let's say, in, the, in school or in college or in the workplace, uh, with social relationships with their peers, causing difficulties at home um, as well. So we do want to see that there is an established pattern of these challenges or difficulties across settings. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like, you know, when it comes to, to me sitting down to do an assignment that I have ADHD. Um, yeah. Hmm. So I guess, you know, people who say like, well, if I'm easily distracted, that means I have ADHD. That's not necessarily true, right? Yeah, yeah, not necessarily. There are lots more elements to it than just that. Mm. Yeah. Now, I want to bring up something that I've often heard as well in, in, I guess, adjacent to ADHD, which is ADD. Is that the same thing or how is it different? Well, ADD is, I think it's an older term. Mm. Uh, so it's a term that was previously used. Uh, and, and that was just uh, attention deficit disorder. Um, but that, that's kind of an out-of-date term. Um, and when they up, when I guess when they updated it, they, they added in the, the word hyperactivity. So now it's ADHD. Um, of course, you know, people still use the old term a lot and maybe the, the uh, older generation might be more familiar with that. Uh, but it can get confusing, right? Because mm-hmm. then you might think, oh, what's the difference? Is it the same? Is it different? Um, but some people maybe now use the term ADD to refer to the, uh, the subtype of ADHD, which is predominantly the inattentive. I see. Right? So that's how some people differentiate it, right? So ADD mm-hmm. is the inattentive and ADHD is the hyperactive. But uh, in formal settings, we just use ADHD. Hmm. I want to step back a bit and take a quick big picture look, Prakash. You know, from what you've observed in your line of work as a clinical psychologist, you know, working with your clients, as well as what you've seen in terms of how we talk about ADHD in general um, as a society, right? Do you think we take it and its impact seriously? Because sometimes it feels to me that we tend to sort of oversimplify it to, oh, someone's just easily distracted or someone's just hyperactive. Yeah, right. So I, I think... I think looking at the context, I mean, we, we look at uh, Malaysia a little bit more specifically, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a condition that is maybe not as uh, understood uh, as, as, as other things. And I think it's something that we are trying to educate people about and educate the public about. Um, and because of that, you know, the, the common typical thing is just that, you know, you would say, oh, somebody's just being lazy or, or you know, this person is, is just uh, always procrastinating um, or doesn't know how to, to manage their time properly. But you might not realize that it's, a, it's, it's an actual condition that makes them have difficulty with these areas. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess, you know, because for people who don't have ADHD, right, it's very difficult to understand. You know, it's not something that you can see. It's not something that you can really imagine um, how it, people might struggle with it if you yourself don't have any difficulties with those areas. Um, so I think that's what sometimes makes it hard for, you know, and of, of course, a big population that we work with when it comes to ADHD is, 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 is with parents, right? You know, mm-hmm. because 
uh, it, it does get diagnosed in, in childhood. Uh, so trying to get them to understand how their child's brain works, I guess, uh, is, is a big part of it. Hmm. How challenging is that usually? You know, I guess from, from your experience, what do parents usually struggle to understand? Well, I guess I think something that you mentioned earlier is, is, is relevant here because, you know, sometimes, of course, parents will come in and say, oh, yeah, you know, but when I was young, I also was like that, right? You know, I sometimes cannot pay attention or mm-hmm. I would dream or I also like to, to move around. But, but you see now I'm, I'm okay, you know, I went through school fine, I'm working okay. Why is it different? You know, mm-hmm. so I think there are a lot of these uh, shared experiences that you might have. Uh, but again, coming back to what we're looking at is that, you know, if these symptoms are really significantly impairing the, the functioning of this individual or this child, uh, then it's important for us to find out why and how can we better support uh, this child, right? Because clearly there's something that's that's affecting them or that's impacting their, their functioning. Um, so I think getting parents or individuals to realize that it. You know, the goal here isn't just a, a label or a diagnosis, um, but the goal here is to understand, is to figure out what supports and how to best support this child or individual as they continue to grow older. Mm. Could you give some examples of how, um, I guess, more serious, more severe cases of ADHD might impact the functioning of both a child and someone in adulthood? Um, okay. So, you know, in... in, in I guess childhood, you know, when it's more severe, you would talk about, let's say, you know, hyperactivity side of things is that really, you know, they aren't really able to stay seated for long, mm-hmm. right? So they're always moving, they're getting up, uh, they, they can't really pay attention uh, in the classroom. And of course, you know, if that happens, what happens is that, you know, teachers, they just get scolded all the time. Uh, they get told off, they get labeled as the naughty or the bad kid. Mm. They are stand outside, you know, and of course, all this will affect um, their academics or their learning ability in the classroom. Uh, if they, if they, we also see children who are hyperactive or inattentive, they have difficulty with social relationships because they may not be patient. You know, they might be fast, they might play too rough, they might not be able to stop themselves. They can't wait for their turn. Um, you know, and so other children might have a hard time playing or interacting with them, um, and then that leads to them being, you know, uh, avoided and, and uh, things like that. Um, and of course, at home, right? Um, if the parents have such a difficult time managing the behaviors, you know, mm. then they might resort to, you know, punishment and more severe ways of punishment, which then, of course, disrupts the family dynamics. Yeah, um, and and in adulthood, um, I, I think what comes out a lot more is the the organizational skills or the executive functioning skills. So time management is a big one, right? So, you know, uh, being late for appointments, missing deadlines, uh, can't get your work done in time, uh, forgetfulness, right? So forgetting mm. at appointments or things that you needed to do. We've, we've had people who say they've forgotten to pick up their kids oh, wow. uh, from school, right? Yeah, so that... And, um, having a hard time kind of getting started and, and, and completing tasks that they, that they do. Uh, being very restless, you know, so of course, uh, like I mentioned just now, the, the symptoms change quite a bit as, as, uh, as an individual progresses throughout their life. So they're very, very rarely we see adults who are hyperactive, right? Mm. You know, adults who's running around and jumping and cannot sit still. 
Uh, so that's that that side of symptoms when it comes to hyperactivity tends to yes mellow out a little bit, but the inattentive part um, comes out a lot more. Um, and also as adults, uh, maybe they might have more difficulty regulating their emotions, right? So they get frustrated easily, they get angry uh, quickly and, and find it hard to calm themselves down. Um, so these are some of, 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 I guess, what happens in adults as well. Hmm. All right, we'll go for a quick break now and continue this discussion when we come back. I'm speaking today to clinical psychologist Prakash Ravindran and we are talking about ADHD and in particular um, the impact of social media as we seem to see more people um, self-diagnosing with ADHD and we'll dive more into that social media aspect after the break. So keep it here on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health & Living with me, Lim Su. And on the show with me today is Prakash Ravindran, a clinical psychologist. And we are talking about how social media has impacted um, diagnosis of ADHD and how some people are self-diagnosing with ADHD because of posts or videos that they've seen online. And it's a trend that's apparently um, getting quite common on TikTok in particular, which is um, quite interesting considering how much impact that that particular platform has had on a lot of um, issues especially on mental health. Um, so before the break, I was speaking to Prakash about ADHD more in general and how it might manifest, how it might impair someone's uh, life, both as a child and as an adult. Um, and, and now I guess moving on to the impact of social media. Um, Prakash, like I mentioned, you know, we, we are seeing a lot more or at least a more consistent stream of posts and videos of people sharing their own experiences with ADHD, yeah. sharing um, the symptoms of ADHD that they've experienced. And, and, and how that has led to them discovering a diagnosis for themselves. Have there been any trends that I guess you've observed in terms of um, the videos that, or, or posts that are being put up and, and why they're being put up? Yeah, I, I think the, the, when, it, when it comes to the trends on, on social media, I think it's, there's been a big wave of talking about a lot of these, I guess, like the neurodevelopmental disorders or mental health as well, right? Mm -hmm. you know? Depression, anxiety, and of course, ADHD has been a big one. And I think to something that you mentioned just now is a lot of them is sharing their experiences, right? So uh, them putting out what life looks like for them. Um, and of course, the reason why here is because um, diagnosis of ADHD in adults tends to be missed, right? So again, um, it's typically diagnosed in childhood, and if it's missed in childhood, uh, and it goes to in adult into in adulthood or even I guess young adulthood, uh, a lot of times it may not be diagnosed there, or it's more challenging to diagnose there. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of these videos are there to tell people about it, raise awareness about it, and try to empower people as well. I think a lot of them try to share the message that hey, you know, I, I have ADHD, but you know, I'm still able to do certain things and, and be successful and give people, I guess, positive stories as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mm. What contributes to some cases of ADHD being missed in childhood? And is that very common? Well, I, I think it depends on the severity of, of ADHD. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, how significantly it impairs the, the child's functioning, right? So I think if it's milder, Sometimes it gets missed, right? Mm -hmm. So as well as maybe the child is able to compensate or, you know, parents support them or teachers are supportive in school. And so they kind of are able to, to do well and get by. And um, and as they get older, you know, and, and they 
get more independent, right? So sometimes when they come to university where, you know, sometimes they go and stay overseas, they are a little bit more independent and on their own, there are less support systems in place. Mm-hmm. Then sometimes these challenges become more apparent or more difficult and you see that they struggle without um, the supports that have previously been put into place. Um, so I, I do think it, it it does get missed, especially when you talk about the, the milder versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, like what we mentioned earlier, depending on parents, right, how open they are to seeing or going for an assessment or a diagnosis, uh, if they notice signs. Mm. How might they compensate for these milder forms, uh, milder symptoms of ADHD? Um, well, I think I think there are different ways people learn to cope with it. Mm-hmm. The big thing that there was previously trending was all these fidget spinners, right? Mm. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that was very helpful for them, right? To just play with something in their hand and, and, and do that. Uh, so I think with some other individuals, they just find different ways of coping, right? Whether it's tapping their feet, whether it's uh, spinning their pen, uh, moving their pencil, um, and uh, they realize that and they are able to stop themselves to a certain extent. Uh, and I guess also maybe uh, when, when on the milder side, maybe some of these kids or these individuals, they also realize the social expectation, mm. uh, what is expected of them in the different settings, so they do their best. But what happens is that they spend a lot of energy doing so, right? So it's, it's very effortful to kind of, uh, the term people might use is mask, right? To mask some of their symptoms, um, on the outside, um, but then again, you know, you go back home and then they're, they're extra tired and it's, it's, they need a lot of rest, but then you don't really know why mm-hmm. and you may not catch that it's because, you know, they have these symptoms. Um, so, yeah, I you know that the different methods of coping and I think going back to the different types of ADHD, mm-hmm. um, the, the inattentive side also sometimes gets easily missed, right? Because you're not moving around, you are not... Uh, having a lot of talking too much and things like that. But you might be sitting there, you know, in school, you just imagine you're sitting there, but you're dreaming. Sometimes people don't even realize or people don't even know that you are having a hard time paying attention or focusing. And I, I guess some of the, the, the things that are, are used also for the inattentive side is, you know, reminders, uh, maybe visual reminders or, or calendar reminders or timers uh, just to kind of help bring them back to attention. And uh, a big thing that we talk about also is, I guess, physical exercise. So making sure they get enough stimulation, um, obviously a good healthy diet and not too much sugar, Mm -hmm. uh, enough sleep and rest. Uh, So sometimes with these things put in place, it helps to, I guess, minimize the impact of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Mm. All right. So if we go back to that issue of social media, right? I mean, of course, there is that important aspect of raising awareness, um, sort of helping helping people understand um, ADHD a bit better. But of course, with many things, there are two sides to a coin, right? That's good and the bad. I guess, what do you see in terms of both of that aspects? You know, what's been beneficial and what's also been harmful? Yeah, so I, I think that the, the beneficial side is what we talked about just now, right? So, you know, people being more aware about it, people realizing that, oh, okay, this uh, are possibilities, but mm-hmm. also seeing the, the, the positive side of it and, and the, the 
possibilities if you have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess maybe it helps reduce stigma to a certain extent that you do, you feel like you don't feel so alone, right? You, know, you mm-hmm. realize, okay, there are other people out there who have shared or similar experiences. Maybe you feel more open to going for an assessment or a diagnosis uh, when previously uh, you were fearful about it. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think that's been kind of the, the positive side of it. Um, I guess the, the thing that we that you mentioned just now in terms of, I guess, self-diagnosing, uh, that can be a concern sometimes because um, it, it can also, I guess, create a, a opposite side of the stigma, right? So, you know, then it's people just very easily or just identify as I have ADHD, mm. right? Because, like we said, some of these symptoms are things that all of us face and yep. all of us go through. Um but of course, somebody who really has ADHD, they, they struggle much more than just uh, facing some of those difficulties. And it's on a bigger scale. Or it's more intense than what we might face. Um, so, you know, people coming out and, and just self-diagnosing it when they, they might have some difficulties with attention, but not to that extent. Uh, and then sharing that experience and how it is might, you don't get that real picture then as well, mm. right? a false sense of what it is or how does it look like um, and of course because of the power of social media and I, I, I have seen a, some uh, teenagers who come in and tell me oh do you think I have ADHD mm-hmm. you know I, I saw these videos I, my friends were talking about it I think I have ADHD um, you know so that there is maybe a lack of a stronger understanding of it. You just see what you see on social media and sometimes take that as the gospel truth um, uh, and, 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 and you match it to how you think you are as well. Um, because I think sometimes these videos, they, their message is very strong, right? So they, mm. they, their message, of course, is about empowering you to uh, seek a diagnosis and, and understand yourself if you if you do have it mm-hmm. uh, to identify with it if you have these problems so of course if you see the same message enough many times uh, I think that gets ingrained as well especially with the with the younger the younger minds mm. is it particularly more concerning with the the teenagers the 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 young adults when they sort of self-diagnose themselves because we always what we're always concerned about is that you know this is the group of of individuals, the, the the age group, which is much more impressionable, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, and and I think that's where you know the the, the education about all these, I guess you want to call it new neurodevelopmental disorders or mental health is is very important. Um, not just through social media or by social media users, but I guess by professionals. Um, spreading that awareness, what it really means, what it really looks like. Um, so that people or the young people are, can understand it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is importance that if, if you do, you know, identify with it and uh, do believe you do have a challenge, I think then there is that value of seeking out a, a formal assessment or a formal diagnosis um, rather than just self-diagnosing it. Because sometimes when that happens, you know, it sounds like a crux, right? Like, oh, I, I can't do this because I have ADHD mm. Um, I can't do that because of ADHD. And then that creates a negative stigma, right? Um, so I, I guess it, it's a it, it's a slippery slope. You know, we're trying to balance the, the awareness, the understanding, the ability to feel empowered about it, but also the right usage and, and the correct awareness and, and uh, 
important of the right knowledge. Hmm. It's quite a strange cycle, isn't it? Because on the one hand, people are putting up these videos to, or these posts to raise awareness, to destigmatize yeah. the disorder. But then when you have people self-diagnosing, you could end up re-stigmatizing it again. You mentioned something really interesting, Prakash, that you have, you know, clients, um, teenagers in particular coming in and saying, oh, I think I have ADHD. As a clinical psychologist, right, does it help or does it hinder you when, I guess, people come in with that preconceived notion? I think it depends on that individual. If you come in with an openness Mm -hmm. um, to discuss and to find out more and to learn, then that's helpful. But of course, sometimes people come in with quite a fixed mind that I have ADHD. Mm. Um, So then it gets a little bit difficult, right? Because then if I don't think you have ADHD, um, then it might be seen like I'm not understanding you. Mm. uh, I'm not I'm not seeing your experience. So I think it's 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 how open they are to understanding what it is and seeing the challenges that they face and uh, what it could be um, as well. So that's the, I think that's the, the common thing that I'm looking for. You know, that, that openness to, to understand themselves, whether it is ADHD or not. Hmm. Now, I did a quick Google search before this um, recording, you know, before this interview, and in just a quick search of ADHD and self-diagnosis comes up with various websites offering, you know, quote-unquote self-assessment quizzes. What do you make of those? You know, are those reliable? How should we be using them, if at all? Yeah, so I think all those, whether you want to call it a checklist or questionnaire or or screener or whatnot, I think it's just a a first line, a a first line, right? So, you know, you, if you, if you ask me and you say, oh, you know, I, I, I think I might have it, uh, I might say, hey, you know, it's, it's worth doing a screener. Maybe you don't want to go out for a full diagnosis or assessment first. Sure, you know, go and you can do uh, one of these screeners or one of these checklists online and see what it says. Um, if it comes out that, hey, yeah, you know, you do quite a high score or whatnot, um, don't take that as a diagnosis. Mm. Yeah, so... A screener or a checklist online is not a, a diagnostic tool um, and shouldn't be viewed that way. So I think that is your first line and or that is an indication for you maybe to go on next to, to find something out and find something a little bit more. Uh, but of course, you know, actually, don't, not even talking about the screeners, if you are already Googling about ADHD and, and, and have concerns about it, there might be an indication already, mm. right? So... Uh, I think seeking out uh, professional uh, opinion is is, is important. Mm. How important is having that, I guess, formal diagnosis? You know, I guess, how is that going to help someone, um, especially if they do have ADHD? Yeah. Um, So, again, I guess it depends on which stage of your life you're at. Mm -hmm. Um, And a a big part when it comes to the the children is so, you know, we understand... um, how their brains work, we understand what challenges they have, and then we know how to support them, whether it's in school, whether it's at home, um, so that parents can also do it and teachers can also do it, um, and then that they have a conducive environment in the different places that they are so that they can function to the best that they can. And I think it is the same as well as we go older, as, as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, I think a, a big part, I think you would hear from a lot of adults, 
a big reason why they do an assessment is self-understanding. It's mm. a big part of why adults come in to get an assessment because that's later on in life, right? It's just to kind of understand themselves better. Because again, I think we, we must realize that uh, if it was more severe, usually it's caught in childhood, right? The ones that have gone on to uh, or missed diagnosed or, or wasn't diagnosed the younger, I guess they are able to cope to a certain extent. And it also depends on how much support they had in their younger years, right? So if they had, if they had learned coping strategies and they had learned what to do, mm-hmm. then as they get older, they can apply it. But, you know, if when they were younger, everything was kind of just done for them and supports was done by parents and teachers and they weren't taught to be independent in their application of it, then when you remove all those things, then they really start to struggle later on. Um, so when in adulthood, I think it's one also kind of understanding themselves, uh, helping people around them understand them uh, and what kind of things they can try to do mm-hmm. to kind of put things into place. So a lot of the, I guess, suggestions or recommendations might be more about their organizational skills. How can they organize themselves better so that they don't forget things, they don't miss deadlines or things like that. Mm. All right. And to wrap up our discussion um, today, Prakash, you know, what would, I guess, your takeaway message be when it comes to um, how we see ADHD-related social media content? I think also looking at the stage of where we are at here in Malaysia, uh, awareness and understanding of these conditions, I do think there is a value to it. You know, it is things that parents, for example, come in and say, hey, you know, when I was young, we never heard of this before, Mm -hmm. uh, but now we've heard about this. Uh, Maybe it's something that, 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 that my child has. So there are those positive parts coming out but I guess my thought about it would be you know I think if you are wanting to share information on social media I think it is important to definitely get a formal diagnosis right Um, a a real concrete thing from a professional Um, then of course you know that means that you do have ADHD and and your your experiences and and what you, you share about your life is, I guess, a valid representation of the condition or the disorder. And, of course, a big message should be seeking out a formal diagnosis, not a, not just asking people to self-diagnose. Because, again, for me, the main thing when it comes to these things is not really the label, it's not really the diagnosis, but uh, what comes with that. So what are the challenges associated and how do we support and help the individual understand themselves? Mm. All right. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Prakash. Thanks for having me, Suran. I've been speaking to clinical psychologist Prakash Ravindran about um, how social media is fueling self-diagnosis of ADHD and really why it's important to seek out a formal diagnosis if you do think that you are experiencing some of these symptoms that you read about or you hear about online. I'm Lim Suan and this has been Health & Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.